1: On this week's Patreon episode, we are talking about guitar shops. That's right, in light of Henry Juskovitz's recent comments about guitar shops causing the decline in Gibson sales, we talk about what guitar shops are getting right and what guitar shops are getting very wrong. If you want to hear it, head to patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Where from as little as $1 a month, you can support the Guitar Nerds podcast. Patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham, joined this evening by Matt Knight. Hang on.
2: Good evening. Hang on. Whoa. Hang on. What? what? The Guitar Nerds Podcast. What's that? Oh, sorry. The world's number one uh, guitar podcast. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, of course. Joined, I'm your host,
1: Mark Packham, joined this evening by Matt Knight. We're number one. And Jay Cross. Yes, we are. Good. I'm glad that everyone is on board. No, Joe Branton this evening. Hey. He's boosted himself into oblivion. No, in fact, <laughs> he seems to think that it's because he hasn't boozed
2: for like nearly two weeks <laughs> that he's actually ill. He was saying, oh, my mouth's full of ulcers. It's because I've not been drinking any wine. Yeah. I'm going through withdrawal. It's like, it's mate, probably, you've had eight
3: days. Yeah. He's probably a bit like um, Lemmy,
1: really. He, isn't yeah, it, he has <laughs> to has to keep <laughs> drinking or he'll die. die. But um, despite not having Joe Branton, we have got quite a packed show. We um, we went to the uh, The Guitar Show, which is a big exhibition uh, in Birmingham. Um, so we've got lots to talk about from there. Uh, we've also got some news on brand new Fender guitars and some new pedals um, and loads of questions as well. Lots been going on this week. Um, first up, Jay, before we start the podcast, little treat and a bit of homework for the listeners. Chaz and Dave... Christmas Knees Up, 1982. Yeah. yeah. We um we just sat and had dinner before the podcast and Jay and I
2: uh, watched possibly the greatest thing on YouTube ever. How did you... Because I came home and Mark and my girlfriend, Maddie, were sat here uh, watching this and I came into this extremely strange scene where Mark was sitting there sort of tapping his thighs along to the songs and Maddie was just sat there looking at the screen trying to <laughs> decipher it all. Well... Okay, so I'll tell you how this actually started. Okay,
1: is that we were both saying, do you know what's rubbish? gigs, and having to go out to (laughs) gigs, because most bands are rubbish, (laughs) and how probably 1% of all the bands you've ever seen, you've actually enjoyed. And I was like, I got onto this thing where this week I've been really obsessed by listening to the best of Chaz and Dave. Okay. Um, Chaz and Dave, for our American listeners who definitely won't know, and definitely our younger listeners who won't know, are a duo of musicians, um, Cockney musicians, um, from the, I guess, probably late 70s is when they were actually putting out singles, mid-70s probably, um, right through to they're still playing now. Um, they do songs like Rabbit which is about talking too much uh, and the Sideboard Song which is about uh, <laughs> the an 80s sort of family, 70s sort of family dynamic um, and their songs are very, very uh, Marmite as, or, as they were. So you'll either absolutely love Chaz and Dave or you will not be able to listen to Chaz and Dave.
3: Damn! Um, Exactly. Um, actually, um, twice. Twice. actually no, I've seen Chaz and Dave and then just Chaz. Just Chaz. Yeah Yeah, I think maybe
1: just Chaz. Dave retired when his wife died, and then he was like, No, it's too good. I'm coming back. <laughs> so so anyway, um so if you don't know Chaz and Dave, firstly go and listen to some Chaz and Dave. But also and the reason we were listening to it was I was explaining to maddie like I love Chaz and Dave. And she's heard some before and she was saying, I don't get it at all. And so we went, I just basically, I powered through and went, no, you will love this. Um, (laughs) So it's on YouTube. It's called Chaz and Dave's Christmas Knees Up. And firstly, Chaz and Dave are excellent musicians. They were session musicians before they started uh, doing their own stuff. So they're very, very uh, competent musicians. Like just incredible playing. They actually play on the song that was sampled for the um Slim Shady that the first Eminem 2 you're right yeah, um, yeah so that that line and that piano part is um <laughs> the, like the electric piano part the do dudum that bit that's Chaz and Dave um so with that in mind go and look at um, Chaz and Dave's Christmas knees up um, it's from 1982 it was on ITV uh British TV it would have been played probably around sort of Christmas dinner time i guess when people have had a few beers what they want is just a bit of a knees up um and a bit of a sing song <laughs> i tell you the best bit about it no christmas songs no christmas songs because no they christmas don't need songs it so at the, all. the whole thing is set in basically like a fake pub and it's chaz and dave doing songs there's a bit of a, there's a comedian that comes on firstly chaz and dave are excellent uh, at playing, uh, Dave is playing uh, Yamaha BB and getting probably one of the best bass sounds it I've sounded, ever heard. It sounded absolutely fantastic. Chaz is obviously there, you know, pounding away on the piano. And then halfway through, they're like, oh, yeah, we've, they do
2: a comedian. There's all this sort of stuff. And then next... Th- well, before, before you yeah. say that, we were watching it. And on the side of the stage, I saw a Telecaster and an amp. And I went, I bet you, I bet you Albert Lee comes out in a bit. And not five minutes later... Albert Lee came out. Yeah. And they did Country Boy. It's so good.
1: Just incredible. Absolutely mind-blowing. If you want to kind of masterclass in kind of like chicken-picking kind of country stuff. um, I mean, Albert Lee is obviously a master. But this particular performance, I think because they've probably been on set all day. They've had a few beers. (laughs) Everything's played at double the speed that it should be. Um, Yeah, it's very, very good. So Albert Lee comes on, does a couple of tunes. um, And then after that, um, a Strat appears on stage. And you're thinking, okay, who's this? Who's here? Who else is a kind of good old boy that might come up? It's only Eric Clapton. It's so weird. On, on ITV Christmas Lunchtime,
2: Chas and Dave and we're trying got to f- me I, knees up. no idea what the guitar is. I, I think it might have been Burgundy Mist, but just... The, Something like that, the, yeah. The screen was so saturated that you just couldn't No, really it's like de-saturate desaturated. Desaturated, yeah. You just couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, just... But, the only
1: colours you can actually tell is, like, everything in the room is brown, basically. The yeah. carpet, the drum kit, just all everyone's clothes. <laughs> um, yeah, and everyone actually, just looks kind of grey.
3: They've actually got a new album coming out. Little a little bit of podcast promo there. April 20th. First new album of completely new songs in 30 years. Crikey. Featuring, featuring Sling Your Hook. <laughs> I wrote a special introductory verse to this. It's my message to cancer. And then another one was come on Charlie a couple of London Lauren Hardy removal men what are they moving it could be a sideboard <laughs> fantastic wow okay
2: so just on the Chaz and Dave I'm not, I'm not trying to turn this into a Chaz and Dave cast I am I absolutely <laughs> am <laughs> but on the uh, on the Chaz and Dave Wikipedia it actually tells you here in 1983 Chaz and Dave presented their own variety show uh, there were six episodes and then the knees up
1: the, I think the knees up was first the knees up the was ne- first the knees up I- definitely said three three uh, nineteen eighty two on it. Broadcast on, on Channel Five? No, definitely. That's what it not. says here? No, Channel Five didn't start until nineteen ninety seven, so weird. That must be a different knees up. A modern knees up. No, it's nineteen
2: eighty two. Yeah, with uh with It can't have been on Channel it. Five because Channel weird, Five didn't it, exist. Yeah no yeah you're right. But then yeah six six other episodes came out after us. Speaking of, I tell you what, speaking of um Albert Lee, I was watching and this again maybe won't translate to uh, our listeners outside of the United Kingdom, but uh, and anyone over the age of anyone under the age of about 30, 35. Yeah. I mean, I barely know what it is, but the, Um, on Friday night, I was watching uh, watching TV and I flicked over to uh, the old grey whistle test, which is uh, used to be a TV pop show where bands kind of I think it predated MTV. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. What well, old oh, grey whistle test? Yeah, yeah. It's like started in like
1: 1970s. Was week. it that?
2: Was it that long? I okay, think it was earlier yeah. than
1: that. Actually, I think it was in the late
2: 60s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess it was. Yeah. So, pre- and it was a place where you could watch bands play, and um, it was hosted by Whispering Bob Harris, and uh, that was Harris for people sorry, who speak Harris. proper. Uh, and um, he was. He, they, they, were, they were doing a, I guess a, I don't know, a, a, an anniversary show. And um, one of the acts that was oh, on. There, I wonder if it's fifty years. I guess it must be. Yeah. And one of the acts that was, on, that was playing was um, Albert Lee, and it was Albert Lee playing live. As in, it wasn't uh, a video of a type of him playing back in the back in the days. It was him doing him doing it on the on. You know, just I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And it was fantastic. It was fantastic. He played what I think was a new song where he was playing piano, and his backing band who. Three fellas, drums, bass, and then uh keyboard. And I'm almost certain that those three fellas put together uh were younger that Albert Lee is older than all three of them put together. I really want to see this. It was great. And then afterwards he, he got his uh got his guitar out, got his Albert Lee out and uh and they played Country Boy and it was it's so good. He's I I tell you what, he is he's still got it. He's a fantastic guitar player.
1: He's someone who I feel I should know more of his stuff because I love that. Style of guitar playing. I love Jerry Reed mm-hmm. and that kind of like you know super fast, you know ridiculous chicken picking country stuff. Yeah. I don't really know that much about Albert Lee. Like we met him, yeah, and he was incredibly nice. And yeah. his you know he told some great stories and his he, the playing when we saw him live was really good. But yeah, I want to um, I want to delve into some more. So my homework for this week is to listen to some more Albert Lee. The listener's homework
3: is to go and check out
1: Chaz and Dave <laughs> Christmas Knees Up.
3: Actually, talking of that, people should also, if our American listeners who might not have seen it, old grey whistle test seventy one to eighty eight. Oh, okay, All so right, wow, four hundred and fifty five episodes, and some of the best bands of like that the time have all been on there. Um, I actually had a, a couple of old DVDs, and they're, yeah, there is some really really good performances. They did. It was quite funny actually. Bob Harris did
2: uh, point out the fact that nowadays the way that we consume music is generally on the internet and uh of course the old grey whistle test finished before the world wide web was even invented yeah yeah. Uh, which just tells you such a just gives you a real glimpse into how different the world was um and a lot of what they a lot of what the the guests were saying was you it was the only place that you could see what the musicians look like and watch people perform yeah because i guess if you just bought a record before you get like the album sleeve yeah that's about it and uh and if you didn't if you didn't watch these sorts of shows you just would never see these people see how they performed um and it's, it's really interesting when you think about how different it is to nowadays when generally you see people before you even hear them
1: you literally know what most musicians have had for breakfast because it will be yeah, up on yeah, their Instagram, sure. you know. <laughs> sure. Um, whereas, yeah, then obviously, you know, saw them on TV. And some of those performances have become iconic, like the performance of Freebird, that is the one that everyone knows is on Old Grey Whistle Test. Um, and I think there's also the one that I really like, I'm sure it's from Old Grey Whistle Test, is um, Sensational Alex Harvey Band. Do you know anything about him? You no. should check out that band. He's kind of a bit of a madman, um, and there's some uh, some really good stuff. I'm sure that's some old grow whistle test. Definitely um, worth an investigate. Um, Matty, as well as watching uh, old old grow <laughs>
3: whistle test DVDs, um, you received some new pedals today. Apparently, I did. Uh, massive thanks to Hamish at Southampton Pedals, uh, out of Ontario, Canada. Um, we missed him at Nam at the uh, little boutique pedals thing. And I think we gave one of the other guys on there a card and he was like, Oh, I'm really sorry I missed you try and pop up you know, drop by on the next day. But the next day was Sunday and I was so incredibly hungover. And I think so was he because he was also at the Pedal Builder Summit, but obviously we didn't know who each other were. Uh, I didn't get to go back, but he said, oh, well, I'll send you a couple of my pedals. Which ones do you want? Uh, And I looked through and I thought, well, I'll pick the two ones that would be most suitable to the nerds. Um, So, yeah, his website is Southampton Pedals. He sent the Utility Knife, um, which is a flanger, chorus, tremolo and phaser, all in one box that you can select, but it's just got three controls. So the idea is that instead of having four separate pedals on your board, you just have one of these, and then depending on what you need for what song, you've, you just turn it to what effect you want, and then you've got three simple controls. And I was like, "Oh, that's a really cool idea." What do you we know? know do we know the sort of pricing and things like that? Uh, this one is two hundred and eighty Canadian. Okay. So that comes out. At, I think Jay's so doing, doing the there. maths right now. Uh, two hundred and twenty pounds. Two know, two hundred twenty oh, no, dollars. No. Sorry, yeah, one hundred sixty
1: quid. One hundred sixty quid. Okay, so not crazy money. I mean, it's still up there, obviously, in boutique territory. But
3: um, yeah. sounds interesting. What else did he send over? He sent the and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. The Isetino, I C T N T I N E O, um, which is and the reason I picked this one is because he calls it a preamp EQ. I call it a possible awesome make gooder pedal. Basically, a preamp pedal that's got volume tone and then body so like top and um it's like mid-range and top end yeah you've then got boost which gives you an extra um volume jump you've then got ultra bass for more low end so this is designed for keyboards guitars bass or or anything else really he says even even like microphones you've then got a 600 kilohertz boost one uh, sorry 600 hertz boost one kilohertz boost 250 hertz dip switch and then all selectable on the front as well so it's like a sort of all in one kind of tone shaping pedal depending on yeah what you want to plug into it so I thought oh that sounds quite cool so looking forward to um, plugging those in hopefully tomorrow but the preamp one really sounded interesting to me because I think especially for me when I play at home I've got loads of different pedals and quite a few different guitars it's nice to have something that you can kind of fine tune no matter what guitar you're plugging into yeah um he also makes a couple of other good ones on his website he does a always on buffer but it's actually two buffers with two volume controls so it just switches between the two different volume controls with the two different buffers so you can set it for two different types of guitar uh, or you can set it as like a mute pedal so you turn the volume all the way down to one or you can have one as a boost and then one is just a buffer i was like oh that's quite cool so yeah he definitely makes some awesome pedals that's worth um going to check out but i'll report back once i've plugged these in but yeah they look really awesome definitely so, so just doing a little bit
2: of research on this uh the um they are uh recreation or recreations or it, what the the website says is that it is a i'm just uh, a remake of a classic and near impossible to find bass preamp and tone shaping tool and uh just having a quick look into what that actually is um apparently it's based on the uh zebeck designer submarine which course, is a classic. pedal that I've not heard of yeah. but um a lot of I've just doing a, a just done a, a real quick bit of googling here and uh people have I've seen two places on the internet so far that have both called it a white whale so really? yeah yeah oh. so apparently super super rare um and yeah, I, I want to do a little bit more research on this because it sounds very, very interesting.
3: But uh, but yeah, so that's cool. That's cool. That's, that sounds really exciting. Cool. Yeah, so thanks very much to Hamish at Southampton Pedals for sending those. And um, we'll get them up on Instagram and uh, I'll give them a little bit of a demo and stuff. But they look really interesting. I yeah. like the idea of having a an, an EQ pedal that's not just like sliders. Definitely,
1: definitely. Um, if you can, Matty, can you stick a demo up in the Facebook group? i can indeed that sounds good just a quick uh quick like phone demo yeah, or something sure would be, uh, something like be nice nice now um one big thing that we did this week and we said we were going to talk about it um we went to the birmingham well it's not called the birmingham guitar show is it? it's called the guitar show yeah but where is in, it it's in birmingham Oh, okay yeah, birmingham. new bingley hall that's right um terrible parking situation
3: well i'm sure it's fine if you get there on time yeah Isn't that right matt uh Yeah, no. It was terrible. And I got there at 9.42, which was the time it opened, because it was sponsored by Ernie Ball. Is that really? It yeah. at 9.42? It did, yeah. It yeah. yeah, opened at 9.42, yeah.
1: That's,
2: that's ridiculous. It's that's just silly. Yeah, I mean... I like know, it, though. Do what you need. Silly
1: in a good way. um, um so it was so
3: busy. Like, even yeah.
1: way busier than last year. Definitely. Definitely. It seems kind of all of these shows are on a bit of an upward trend, because... The um, London International Guitar Show also was much busier this year than the year before, and it seems like this Birmingham show was much much busier. Seemed maybe mm. to have
2: slightly less exhibitors this year, or uh, maybe it was just because it was busier. Yeah, I think I I think if anything there were there were more this year. Yeah, it was there was
1: a lot of there was a lot of people and it felt I don't know if, a if bit less
3: people. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. I think they'd given bigger booth spaces to some brands i think compared to last year because i remember sims and a couple of other brands had really small booths next to each other last year yeah
1: yeah this they they seem to be a bit more substantial this year maybe less brands but they have a bit more space maybe don't know but um i thought it was a pretty successful show all in all there's a lot of stuff that we'd seen before but also some stuff that we hadn't seen um which i guess we can talk about i mean i don't know about for you guys but the star of the show for me was maybach guitars um I was completely blown away so german brand building guitars in the czech republic czech republic um very much going after kind of um gibson custom shop fender custom shop that kind of uh vibe um incredibly affordable so i think the les Pauls started at like nine nine, something yeah. like that when i say incredibly affordable i'm in comparison to something like the gibson custom shop um and they what do they have there? they had about four or five different les pauls and an sg yeah um, and I was just absolutely blown away by the quality. I mean, Matt, I don't know what you um, what you thought.
3: Yeah, it's funny because I remember seeing this brand in Guitar Village and then just sort of glazed over it as just like some sort of sub-Gibson brand that was probably built somewhere that I didn't really care about. Because I'd not really played one. I thought, well, you know, 1699, how good could it be? And then when we went to that stand and just picked one up straight away, I was like, wow, this feels amazing. Like even unplugged, you could feel it like just resonate. The setup was amazing and they looked incredible and they were like lightly reliced. And then I was like, oh so how much are these retail? thinking like they're gonna be like four grand or something ridiculous. Yeah. And when he said sixteen nine nine, I was like Sorry, and he went, yeah, one six nine nine, as though I'd like misheard him, and I was like, no, I heard you. I just don't believe it. I thought, I thought (laughs) when I thought when he said that to you, I thought he'd said six six nine nine. Yeah, that's what I thought he'd said. He said something like some outrageous, you know, super high price, and then I was like, what? Because a lot
1: of the stuff at the guitar show, there's some great stuff there, but a lot of it, I do think. You know, you're paying a lot of money for a guitar, and probably rightly, you know, these things do cost quite a lot to build. But you're, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that's in that kind of four to six grand range. And for me, that's mm. just a, a price point that I could never reach. And, you know, Gibson Custom Shop have kind of strayed into that, and I just, I will never be able to afford that. But sub two grand. And maybe not right now but at some point I could probably afford a guitar at, at, at that price range
3: yeah. and I was just thought these were such good quality for that money the only thing that's, that's strange is when I spoke to him I was like oh where can you buy them and he was like oh you can get them from Guitar Village and I was like oh yeah I know I've seen them there they've only got four on at the moment and he was like oh there's a couple of other dealers who aren't listing them they're not listed on the website and he's like oh you can actually go on our website and order like custom spec ones yeah but you can't. Okay. <laughs> so I think you have to email them <laughs> and they will get back to you. So um, so I did a bit of
1: a look around because I've, I've, I'm toying with the idea of getting one. Um, pretty much everything that they advertise on their site, you can buy in one UK dealer or another. So it seems that basically they've... So, for example, Peach have got the more fendery ones and then Guitar Village and I think... I don't know if Andersons have got any at the moment. Someone else has got... The other, the the rest of the guitars that you know, Guitar Village or Peach haven't got. So pretty much everything they make is available somewhere in the UK, but it doesn't seem to all be available in one store. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, the fender stuff looks nice. Yeah, I don't know what the lead time is. I, I don't know whether you just buy from
3: stock or, like you say, maybe just email them if you want something custom. Um, but they they look great. I guess we should give a like a rundown of the models they make. Yeah. um so yeah, the Teleman, which is obviously a T-style guitar, uh the Stradivari, which is an S-style guitar, the Lester, which is the kind of single cut uh Les Paul, uh the Albatross, which is their P90, well, at the show they had a two humbucker SG, but the ones they're listing on the website are single P90 SG Juniors. Much better. Uh which look amazing, especially when they're aged. The aged TV yellow one looks absolutely banging um the capital which is their kind of es hollow body and the jazz pole which is their kind of weird take on like a an offset yeah it doesn't really look like one but it sort of does um, but they do a really cool one of those in like aged black um with a tort guard but he said there was different variations so i think you can email them and be like oh can i get i, I think this, they offer yeah. the same colors but they they might do like pick up variations and and things like that. Yeah, I sort um, of think but- you can just kind of get whatever you want from them as long as
1: it's kind of vaguely near what they already make. You could probably custom spec anything. But he
3: said the SG's Junior were cheaper. I'm like, cheaper than 1699 Like, really, for that? So I'd love to to find one just to see how much they are because if they're like 1,500 quid, it's an absolute winner. Well, I mean, looking at the tellies, looking at the street price in the
1: UK, they seem to be around the 1,200 quid mark, which is pretty impressive, um, considering uh, I haven't actually played any of the Fender the style stuff because they only had Gibson style stuff there. But the Fender style stuff, you know, if it's as good as the Gibson stuff, seems like quite a bargain, really. It seems very, very um, nice indeed. Worth yeah. worth mentioning that they, the way they do their relicing, they don't actually do like... Um, Uh, you know they're not cutting it with a blade to make the kind of um, cracking it's actually done with uh, heat and cold so they basically like put the finish on like heat it up I don't know which way around they do it but they heat it up and then cool it down to crack it Um, and also worth mentioning the pickups in there they're from a brand that I've not heard of before Amber Pickups do you know them, Matt?
3: I do not. No, I'm sure not sure if it was like their own brand.
1: No, th- they apparently they're like super expensive pickups like 350 quid a set. Crikey. Um which seems to be quite a good addition to a guitar that's, you know, already quite expen- uh already quite
2: cheap. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um I was speaking to the uh the the guy whose name I think was Killian. Okay? I think uh, I think is what the chap's name was, and um, I, 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 we saw the guitars and we saw their sort of literature. And, and my first question, as always, is, are you doing a, any junior style stuff, any Les Paul Junior type stuff? And he said, yes. Well, we are. Um, there is some things on the way, um, but they will probably be uh they'll probably take quite a while and i was like oh that that's a shame how how long are you thinking and i thought you know quite a while six months or something. and he, he was saying it will probably be two or three months right and i thought oh okay <laughs> okay cool <laughs> this is this is moving quite quickly then i just like that he uh he obviously had his you know he doesn't want to get anybody's hopes up it's gonna be two or three months away yeah. it's fine um but yeah they they the 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 les Paul or the Leicesters, sorry I should say um they really did look fantastic really really amazing looking um the 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 checking on it was were, was really fantastic and one of the one of the guitars that I picked up, i think it was a fifty nine style um the the setup was just absolutely astonishing, yeah, absolutely fantastic, so uh yeah definitely one to watch and funnily enough, i've just been going i just Searched Maybach in my uh, in my email to see if we've ever talked about it because I as soon as I saw the website this morning when I looked at it I thought I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure I've seen this before I sh- I'm sure I have and um, going back where are we probably eighteen months uh, we had a question from someone called Mark oh uh, on the forum uh, asking about a Les Paul style guitar and whether to go for a Maybach or whether to, you know, spend the extra and go for a Gibson. And apparently that email that question made it into three different podcast emails. So I'm not sure if we have ever actually answered that. Maybe it. not. Well hopefully now we've <laughs> answered the question. Or maybe not, you know. The thing about all these things, and I was
1: talking about it on the um on the group was you know, if you're looking for a guitar that's kind of investment-y and, you know, you want something with, you know, the true name on there and something that you, is going to keep its resale value, you cannot beat a Gibson Les Paul. But if you're willing to take a bit of a risk and you want something that's a bit different and you, you know, you can't quite spend so much money, these Maybach seem like a really good option you know european bill um the quality is very very high um yeah i wouldn't hesitate to recommend it to anyone looking at spending that money yeah and i guess
2: it comes down to what what you want from it we've always we've always one of the things that we've always said is you know be aware of resale value when you're looking at these things but if you don't care if you're just going to play to buy it whatever
3: yeah yeah um my only negative point, and this is more of a personal thing, um, on like the albatross and I think on the Leicester, I don't really like the headstock. I see, this is I actually, do like the headstock. Well see, this is, like, what, made think, this is what made me think soft. This is what made me think
2: that I'd seen the I'd seen these guitars before. Because I am sure that I remember looking at the website and when you click on the guitars it shows you the front of the guitar and the back of the guitar. And it, and it doesn't, doesn't show you the headstock. headstock. But looking at it now, you can see the headstock, but I'm sure that when I first looked at this...
1: I saw that also uh, come up. I've been on the fretboard forum recently because people were talking about this on there. And apparently when they used to uh, be on, I think, Guitar Village's site, they didn't show the headstock Did on they? there In either. fact,
2: I think that's where I've seen it. You, If you look uh, on, I think, the headstock is maybe obscured by uh like a, by like sticker a sticker or finance something. sticker or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Um I'm not sure, but I
1: don't do you know what, I don't mind the headstock. Of all the kind of um Les Paul copies that I've seen, this is one that I dislike the least because there are some very very bad kind of copy headstocks out there. And Yeah, I didn't I like it.
2: I, I think I'm good. also not really into the uh, T and the S style. Um, the headstock? Yeah. Oh, I think it's fine. I, I thought it was a bit you too... You would say that. Well, maybe. Maybe I just love Telly's too much, but I just thought that... Just, it, just Fender there's, too there's much. There's something a little bit off about it for me, but that said, they are very reasonably priced. So. Yeah, yeah.
3: Just um, on a uh, really random one, just because I was on the Guitar Village website, they've got an 1899 Martin 042 in stock. <sighs> Blimey. That is mental. What's the price? Uh, the price is a bargain 15,000 pounds. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds um, um, sounds amazing good. Amazing though.
1: 1899. Talking about Martins, one of the other stands that massively impressed me at the guitar show good was segue. Indeed, the Sigma guitars booth. Now, uh, for those not in the know, Sigma are essentially Martins budget brand. Um they are Chinese made, I believe the guy said. Yeah. Um and they've been doing guitars for a long time, obviously. Um and in fact, they did the Sigma brand a long time ago, and then they brought it back recently for the budget uh, line. And they've always done guitars that kind of look Martin-esque, but something that I hadn't seen before, but apparently has been out for a couple of years, are their guitars that look almost Gibson-esque. Now, Jay, we walked past the booth, and I think both of us were a bit blown away and
2: also astounded that they could actually make guitars <laughs> that look like this. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they were fantastic-looking guitars, and the prices were really something to behold so there was three models there was a j200 style yeah. a j45 style
1: and something else yeah as well. I can't oh, remember.
2: i'm just trying to find it on their website and i am struggling i wonder if no i'm, I'm not sure but they they looked um they looked really fantastic and they started and they... from like
0: 300 quid
1: something yeah like oh that? yeah
2: they were they were very very reasonable
1: Um, and yeah, if you are after to kind of Gibson alike, but obviously, you know, didn't want to spend, you know, let's say you wanted a J45, for example, um, and you wanted something that looked exactly like a J45 and you couldn't spend, you know, Gibson money for a J45. This would be an option. Definitely. Um, I was very, very surprised at how inexpensive they were and also the build quality seemed very good. I just picked one up briefly and uh, I know Sigma guitars have always been pretty good value for money, but these just something about these seemed like they put in a little bit of extra effort to uh to wind up the competition. Don't you think?
2: To wind up the competition. Yeah. yeah, no, they they looked they they looked really nice. Um it was we you know, we were at a guitar show. They they did ask if we wanted to try them out, but it's just it's too It's, loud. Just, it's just not the place. Even yeah. the acoustic room was was just people strumming chords. Yeah. And playing Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> there was Blackbird, that's the one. Blackbird. Yeah, that is Blackbird. I always get those two songs. Yeah, it's weird. They're so not Rocky the same.
3: Raccoon is a fantastic song. Yeah. One of my favourite Beatles songs. Behind Blackbird. <laughs> After the Blackbird, yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: that's number one. Blackbird, number one.
3: Yeah. Blackbird, the best. Any animal themed.
2: Um, yeah, Beatles my top song. three Beatles songs are <laughs> Blackbird, Rocky Raccoon, and I Am The Walrus. Okay, can we name <laughs> any more Beatles animal theme songs? Um,
1: uh, Come on, Jay. Come
2: on. Uh, I'm surprised you got I Am The Walrus, actually. Uh, the reason that I know I Am The Walrus, and I can't remember why I had this, uh, but I knew I Am The Walrus because when I was a kid my parents had some sort of compilation uh, album that had uh, Jim Carrey singing I, remember this. I Am The Walrus. Yeah, there was like a Beatles, uh, like people singing the Beatles and Jim Carrey was on it. I, That's I that a long time ago. I can't, my parents had that and I can't, this apparently it was a George Martin album. Well, you know, comp- compiled by George Martin. Yep. And uh, yeah, Robin Williams is on there. Uh, Celine Dion is on there. uh Billy Connolly, of course. Um, Yeah, I can't name any other Beatles songs with animals in the title. I can't either, now that we've thrown...
1: Three
0: Little Piggies.
1: Piggies, there we go. Piggies, that's one. Yeah, Yeah, got it. Um, So, um, probably hands... Well, I say probably, hands down, the best-looking booth um, at the guitar show was Monty's Guitars. Matt, what did you think of the display that Monty's had put on?
3: It it was so incredibly well thought out and just... It looked exactly how I'd imagine their workshop to look. And then when I spoke to Matt uh, later in the day, he went, "This is exactly how our workshop <laughs> looks." <laughs> and um, you kind of you you kind of get that vibe. And, and when I was speaking to him, he was just like, "I basically wanted to create a company that was everything I ever wanted to be when I bought something like a humbucker. So if I bought my pickups, or if I bought a pickup set of pickups that are these." magical path pickups how would i want them to be presented and i think that's like throughout the whole company i mean they were wearing those like like all like incredibly well dressed with the kind of uh like work jackets on and it was just it all looked very smart and very kind of vintage england i guess i think it's got more
1: it's got more of american vibe like that display wouldn't be out of place in back to the future
2: three yeah i mean totally totally It, it, they, they Wild, had a, Wild yeah, Wild West ironmonger, that sort of vibe. <laughs> yeah, completely. They, they had that a bit of a kind of. Uh, I don't really want to use the word hipster, but it was that sort of. I'd say that's fair. It was kind of a a, a hipster throwback. Like it, it, they could have been a barbers. Yeah, definitely. You know, they, it, yeah. it was that. It was that sort of thing. But uh, normally, I find that sort of stuff completely intolerable. Um, but. It's made up by the fact uh made up for the fact that uh Matt is really nice and uh also there for the first time uh it was uh, a friend of ours yeah. from back in the day um Tim Tim Hughes who you used to be in a band with yeah very briefly yeah and uh but yeah he's just a guy who we've known from from playing in bands in Brighton and he uh, ran a touring company and he, at one point he had he, he had a company that ran like five Mercedes sprinters um and uh, and he he's got rid of pretty much everything and now he's just a guitar tech. Uh and he he was saying like his life is a lot more simple and yeah, a I lot bet. more fun. I bet. And a lot more fulfilling because he is taking cool things and making them cooler. And he and Matt work really closely together and also their their workshop is just over the road from the guys at uh, Audio Kitchen. Yep. Who make that um is it the tall trees? Is that that name of that pedal, Matty? Uh, that massive no, one. There,
3: there's one called the little chopper. I know that. And then I'm sure the
2: tall I trees is the uh, is the 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 big trees. I think is the the pedal that they had on display when we went to. Uh, yes, it is. We went to big trees. Uh, the London South International Guitar Show yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah, uh, they had that on display, and that was that's it's simply simply wonderful i mean big money yeah. but incredible so we should so talk the, about um, what monty's actually had because they
1: obviously you know they're known for their pickups um, but they also had some complete circuits there didn't they matt so like wiring yeah, so, harnesses and things like that
3: yeah they had a five-way wiring harness that basically drops in on your um telecaster to give you a bunch of extra kind of beefy options to your teddy. he was saying that it basically turns your teddy into like a les paul jr basically. Um, and they were 75 quid. I was really tempted, um, but I didn't have any money, <laughs> uh, but I, but I thought they looked really cool. They were doing, they, they also had a few of their guitars there. Uh, so it's not something they've like officially put on the website yet, but they're starting to do, they obviously do a lot of guitar work and Matt came through Chandler's and worked on a load of original 59 those pools and a load of vintage uh, fenders and he's decided to kind of move into doing some like custom guitar work so i think there's more coming on their website soon but i think if you really want something they've they've put a few pictures up on instagram of a couple they've built so you can always contact them for more but the main thing i think they're focusing on right now are the pickups uh the wiring harnesses um but they when i was talking to him he's just said like business is mental we can't we're getting more repair work more and more repair work and we're trying to run the shop and, and do all the pickups and everything at the same time
1: they are really um, becoming kind of the guys in the uk too you know if you want a bit of special treatment to your guitar that's the place you send it you know you take it to monty's yeah. um, i think
3: i'm going to take my strat there i think um, I think my strat needs some love, and we are going to try and. I think all of us are going to try and go down there, and we're going to wind some pickups. We said this before, and we were trying to find some time, but I think we're going to try and do something April or May time. Yeah, and actually I'm, go there I'm up and actually that. all wind a pickup. Definitely, it should be amazing. Yeah, I'm totally, totally up for that.
1: Um, let's talk about one last thing from the show. Um, I've got it down in the notes as that guitar auctions place, but you guys actually found out what the name of it was. Yeah, I think you've got it there, right?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, sorry, I was trying to bring up the right tab because I've since opened about 50 tabs. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Gardiner Hallgate, who appears to also have the website guitar-auctions.co.uk. Okay. And uh, Mark and I were, um, there was there was a load of these amazing looking, amazing looking guitars, kind of. It wasn't exactly behind a barrier, but it, it was very much a case of, all right, you can look at these guitars, but you keep your grubby mitts off them.
0: They,
1: what was weird is that they had loads like back so you couldn't touch them. Then they just had like a really good SG and just that there p on base the table. As well. Oh yeah, and like a six, probably early 60s, 62
2: p bass something like that. Yeah, I think it was I think it was a 63 okay. looking back at the uh but they had they had a catalog that had all of the guitars up uh for sale. And I was astounded at, at just how quote unquote affordable some of these yeah. some of these guitars were up for
3: yeah. Um it's funny actually because I knew when I I looked earlier and found the name I was like why have I heard this name before and it's the the address my dad keeps sending me this email being like ah oh, this <laughs> auction house I buy all my stuff from they've got a guitar auction. And I'm looking at the moment they've actually got a guitar auction running um at the beginning of March. Uh the only thing about a traditional auction because I've been to quite a few of them because my dad's a bit of a like an antiques Freak is that you forget that you have to pay like VAT and commission on top of the price of the hammer price. Yeah, that's how they get you. And now because everything they estimate so much of it off eBay, the estimates are really inflated and. Yeah, then you forget you have to pay commission, and and you have to go and collect it a lot of the time as well. Or if you ship it, they pay you pay a massive surcharge. So I think the key to these sort of things is basically always looking at the catalog, and um, just basically sitting there all day until something, and pick a few, and then you know set your limit, and then try and get something cheap. But the I've been I've looked at these catalogs before and they have some cracking guitars. I mean, the first five lots on the auction coming up are a '63 Epiphone Olympic, a '61 Epiphone Coronet, a Coronet a Gibson, looks unbelievable, an ES330, a 1965 Gibson SG Junior with Trem, and a '55 Les Paul Junior, and that, then a 1960 Les Paul Junior double
2: cut.
1: <laughs> that um, that '55 Les Paul was the one that was on display, and it looked
2: absolutely incredible yeah and and just looking at these and i know that we're throwing around large sums of money here but the two les Pauls, the the 55 junior and the six the 1960 double cut junior are both estimated to go for between two and a half and three and a half grand and that for those guitars in this in this day and
1: age but bear in mind what matt's saying is that that's non-vat and it's also uh without the commission so you're
3: adding another 20 percent for vat and then... Uh, 24%, I, actually, your buyer's premium uh, includes... So there's a buyer's premium of 4% plus the 20% that you pay in VAT.
1: And there's no commission on
3: top of that? There's no commission on top of that. Right, but what okay. they do include um, is, on anything now, they can include a CITI certificate. Ah, uh, that's good. That's good. Because, I mean, I don't know what it would cost you to
1: get a CITI certificate. Probably it would be expensive and a bit of a ball ache process. Yeah.
3: But if... if if you can't make it there, um, there is actually a website that my dad uses called the Sale Room, and they basically it's it ports in a kind of live feed into the auction house. Um, so au- auction houses sign up for it, and you can actually bid online um, on live auctions anywhere in the world. But it's actually quite a handy thing if you're just searching for something like any day, you can log in and be like guitar, and it will show you every auction house live right now that's selling. Guitar lots, for Jay, example.
1: Jay's looking through the catalogue right now, and he's actually got his mouth
2: open as far as it will go. There's a 1960 yes. Esquire in what looks like at one point was probably Arctic White, and someone has been smoking loads of cigarettes next to it. Yeah. And uh, it is it's estimated to go for between eight and ten grand. That looks incredible, but that that there's that 63p base. Again, four and a half to five and a half grand. I mean, th- some of these guitars are absolutely astonishing.
3: Absolutely respect- astonishing. Talk about investment this though. ESP joke. I was like, oh, they've got an ESP EC400 AT estimated at 1,500 quid. I was like, that doesn't sound right. No. Um, <laughs> Talk about inflation
1: though, you know, or you know, investment on guitars. That 63p bass, about 10 or 12 years ago, I got offered... Pretty much exactly that base for fifteen hundred quid and couldn't afford it at the time and now it's what, four and a half grand is the low estimate on that. Yeah. I mean and, well and also mental.
2: speaking about uh speaking about your bad decisions.
1: Oh no, I know what else is on
2: there. Um there was a uh a back of four thousand. Yes. Uh that is estimated for between fifteen hundred to two and a half grand.
1: Yeah. Would you sell your one for? 500 quid there we go isn't yeah.
2: it also ruined now
1: yeah it's wrecked and it, i know the guy's got it and he's wrecked it and i hate him. but
3: um this 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 auction house um because i've looked before has exactly 567 no 358 guitar lots and then a further two or 300 lots of miscellaneous guitar effects and um various studio bits of equipment
1: if there, i would say if there's three words that describe things that you like matty miscellaneous guitar effects <laughs> that's like, that's if you just being stuck in a room and a new lot coming up and you're like oh yeah, I'll get that M-G-E. one as well. Oh, yeah. M.G., I'll get, uh,
2: mate. I'll get that one. Wanna, <laughs> and I don't want to turn this podcast into uh, the 60 Cycle Hunt podcast by just looking at things on the internet. Uh, mind you, I suppose that is what we do anyway. But um, the, uh, the there's also a 2010 uh, 18-string Don Felder Hotel California Signature Double Neck SG. We had one of those at GAC. I remember that. And we had the exact same guitar at GAC. And uh, it's probably still there. No, in fact, it isn't, because I, th- I think I sold it in the end. Uh, but they're, they're looking for three to four grand for it. And let me tell you, we did not sell the one that we had, which was also would have been a 2010. Uh, we did not sell that for that much money.
3: And it came with the lyrics. I mean, it came with the lyrics to Hotel It came California. with the lyrics. Yeah, do you not remember? Well, no, it on a the, piece of paper. It came with the lyric sheet to Hotel California. Was it written by Don Felder? Because otherwise... <laughs> it, was, it was like a scan of his original lyrics. <laughs> God. Which um, he probably wrote before they made the guitar. Just like, quick, write some lyrics. Uh, How'd it go again? I can't remember. I never sang it. Um, yeah, very strange. That guitar was... It's not... I'm sure they sold loads in America, but it wasn't one for an English audience, I think.
1: Basically, no one cares about Don Felder. That's what you're saying. Um, with that, we should dive into a whole big bundle of...
2: Oh. You need to say news. Okay. Uh, well, the reason that I paused is that I saw Matt stand up and I thought he was like standing up to ready himself to say... No, I I hate doing this because I can't do it. No, calendar. It doesn't. It's not quite the same. It's is not it? quite the same. I feel bad for saying it, but it it's the only be- thing he's is, good at. It is better when he's here. It's the only thing
1: he's good at. Um. So first bit of news this week, Jay Cross. You want to talk about this because it is a Fender Eric
2: Johnson's signature Strat Thin Line that's right officially announced this week what can i tell you um very 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 cool guitar actually very interesting uh in that it's so the first thing that i noticed when i uh when i saw this guitar for the first time was um the weird placement of the f-hole and um the it, it really i really found it Difficult to work out why the weird f hole was why the f hole was in the weird, was in such a strange place, um, and I ended up talking with uh, one of the product guys at Fender, who was uh, in touch with uh, Eric Johnson during the production of the guitar, and um, apparently the remit that Eric Johnson gave Fender for this guitar was I want an f hole in a Strat. I want all the right curves yeah. in the guitar because there have been f-hole strats before but they've always been blocks they've never had the belly cut and they've never had the uh the cutaway on the uh upper bow of the guitar um and Eric Johnson wanted all of that um plus the f-hole doesn't want much does he well completely um and that's why it's kind of in this in this slightly unusual position of of directly above the pickups as opposed to off to the side where you would normally expect to see it um and it's it, it is something that you would probably not notice unless you were looking for it but if you get a chance to see one of these in the shops just go and have a look at the um the angle of the cutaway from inside of the f-hole um it really is a piece of absolute uh mastery it's it's really an incredible guitar to look at. Um it's yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I don't understand how they've managed to do it and not lose any of the uh just just not lose any of the, the real strattiness about it. Um do it's know, really, really, really good. Do we know what pickups are in there? Um they are uh Eric Johnson signature pickups okay. uh which is as much as i know I, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that they are unique to this guitar aren't they doing some cool colors as well isn't there like a pink one no there's not no there's just a uh there's vintage white and sunburst oh
1: right okay i must have been looking at the vintage white and a slight angle on the monitor or something because oh there was right
2: some... okay yeah no it's That's uh amazing. yeah no it's uh it's vintage white and sunburst the that... vintage white i think looks amazing Yeah, it does look really it good looks, it looks really really cool really cool yeah where are they made by the way they're american
1: right okay and
2: yeah. price wise two grand roughly about, about two grand yeah they're um they're really really cool guitars um the i really like the old eric johnson uh i i think, cause it, if i'm it had the um it had a bound fingerboard it did. which was really unusual for guitars of that era and then there seemed to be loads of bound fingerboard strats and tellies that came out afterwards but uh yes yeah, re- really really nice and it's a it's a uh a uh a custom neck for him and uh and yeah all sorts it's it's real real nice guitar really really cool it's worth checking out Matt tell us
1: about the old blood noise endeavors flat light textural flange shifter that sounds yes. like a whole bunch of words
3: that you will know about yeah it's um so this pedal came out and rather than a traditional demo video, they just put two guys in a room and did like a little band performance. Using this pedal, and it sounds absolutely brilliant. It's basically a kind of odd detuned, slightly resonant flanger uh, that has three different modes like a detune mode um, for kind of uh, pitch shift, uh, resonant mode, which I guess is a bit like the old resonance mode on the Electroharmonics uh, Electric Mistress, where you basically don't have any sweep, kind of is stuck in like one position. So you get that kind of like metallic sort of like bell resonance i guess uh, and then uh, echo which is like a reverb uh, like delay with some um, flanger on top and then four controls which they say rate to set the rate depth to set the depth uh, mix to go from 100 percent dry to 100 percent wet and shift to affect something extra um so is, that, he, nice- is that the detune <laughs> amount basically <laughs> i don't know i think it probably does something different on every single mode right um, but the thing that I like is they've got the tilt-foot switch that momentarily raises the, the rate or shift control to maximum. Um, so you've kind of got, a, you know, an almost onboard board uh, expression pedal, uh, I guess. But it's it's kind of weird. It's not quite a flanger. It's not quite a delay. It's not quite a reverb. It's a mixture of all three. But rather than just putting all three algorithms in there, it's tuned to do something a bit wacky but, like, totally usable. Um but yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, go and watch the official uh, launch video. It was about four minutes long, but it's it's really good. It gives you a great idea of the kind of, well, the textual sounds that you can get out of it. Um, I think they are also coming out at around $200. Definitely, so a, um, definitely a company on the rise at the moment, Old Blood Noise.
1: Obviously, you know, they've been doing very well over the last couple of years, um, but everything they put out seems to kind of get a lot of hype and a lot of attention.
3: Yeah, they just they're just making some killer pedals i said that the fault that we got was really good um the manual as we mentioned was amazing the um excess which they put out recently which was the chorus and delay with the inbuilt distortion uh as well they've done a kind of bunch of weird delays and reverbs so yeah but they're, they're making weird and wacky pedals that aren't so wacky they become unusable um you know there's definitely like some great pedals out there but you know there's some that are just like beyond the point where you're like i can't really think of any real way i'd use this in like a band sense but they're trying to bring it much more to a performance so like we want to make weird pedals but we want to make sure you can like perform with them they're not just a studio ambient tool i guess
1: it's something that is actually sound still sounds like a guitar in some way yeah yeah i think so that's what we uh what we like chaps before we wrap up i think we should do some questions um because i like to squeeze in uh, some questions on every podcast um and we've got a few minutes left so i guess we should do some questions,
2: questions. Someone called you Mr. Squeaky on the Facebook group the other day, and now I realise why. I did see that,
1: actually. I think it's it's very apt. John says, did the Line 6 Helix HX replace the Boss MS3? Matt Knight. Yes, it did. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Matt, seriously, uh, because there's quite a bit of discussion about this on the board, uh, and the feedback seems to be no, because firstly, they're in quite different price points, from what I understand. Um, Yeah. And secondly, they do quite a different job.
3: Yeah so I guess um and I mean you know I tried the HX and I thought it was it was amazing and it's the evolution of the 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 M series the the 5 the 9 and the 13 I guess they're two different price points and they the biggest thing for me is they're two different sizes so the HX is actually quite a big pedal so that's more of like your central you would have that and probably nothing else really where the ms3 becomes more of like the brain to maybe a slightly com if you want to like reduce the size of your pedal board um or you just want a brain to control a couple of extra bits in in a sense they do a very very similar job they're both multi-effects units they've both got interchangeable um, effects loops they've both got external loops um the ms3 has has one more but the helix has the chance to kind of shift them around a little bit more but yeah, they've, they're two very different price points. One's obviously the MS-3 is a lot more stripped back. The HX is a little bit more flashy. But I guess it's there is no right or wrong. I mean, I personally would go for the MS-3. One, obviously, it is the company I work for, and I've been using it at home for a very long time. And I like the much smaller... I like how small you can get the pedal board, um, the guy, if you watch the video that Joe Branton was in, we did with PolyMath, we got the baseboard down to a really small size. Basically, the width of the MS3 was three extra pedals. The HX is like double that size. Yeah, and but it would that would eliminate the need for probably any other pedals. Realistic, where the MS3 is for someone who probably wants to still use a bunch of external drive pedals. But maybe wants to kind of move to some digital multi effects, or just uses a flanger or a chorus once in a while. But they do a very, very similar thing, but they are two very different price points.
2: I think they're both great, and I, re- I really think it depends on what it is that you're looking for. Uh, yeah, I think that as a as a standalone as a standalone outboard unit, the HX is is simply incredible. Um, it it really is a uh, it is what we wanted um when after the helix was released what we really wanted to see that ever the evolution of that line and whether we would see a uh a, a, you know an, a new generation of m series products and i think that's what we've seen with the with the helix hx cuz it, it is a lot of money um they they're 5 600 quid five, 500 quid um oh. But that said, the the technology that's in there is absolutely incredible. But as Matt says, that um, the MS3 is a really great piece of sort of utilitarian um, gigging equipment. I think.
1: I think the MS3 is very good for a person who wants to strip down their pedal board. H6, uh, sorry, the HX is for someone who wants the
3: HX to become their pedal yeah, board. Sure. I think that's the difference sure. between the two. Um, and I think very the thing succinct. is, is yeah. that. I- the HX will definitely draw people in who didn't want to buy a Helix because they didn't want the amp modelling. Or, yep. realistically, if you've bought a Helix and you're plugging it into the front end of an amp, then you've probably turned the amp modelling off anyway. So I can see a lot of people maybe selling their Helix and just buying the HX. Um, the thing that I, I personally like more about the MS3 is the how much you can um, programme all the switches and all the assigned functions you can do for external control as well um, or, you know, just on board, being able to go between that that manual and that memory mode and then being able to program all the switches um, but that, like that said the HXFX has got some some great sounds on it. I love the fact they put all the legacy pedals on there um, because they're all the, the rack units that I use, they're all those classic, you know, early um, 4 series pedals you know, the MM4, the DL4 the FM4, all in there now as well which I think is very cool Um, But yeah, I think the only difference some people will probably just be the price, which is is an almost 200 pound difference. But I think side by side, the effects are going to be, you know, both very, very good, but they do different things. Boston Line 6 back again, ruling
1: the digital effects space as it should uh, as it should be. Mm, yeah with that uh, we should wrap this one up um, if you want to hear more of from the guitar nerds every week we record an extra half an hour of content for our Patreon listeners if you want to find out more about that patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds where from as little as $1 a month you can support the guitar nerds podcast from $5 a month you get the extra half an hour of content every week plus access to exclusive interviews and mini series like Branton's Ranton where Joe Branton goes off on one uh about things that he doesn't like. At the $10 tier, you get your name read out on air, normally by Joe Branton. But this week, I think by Jay Cross. And following the rules that we've set for Joe Branton, (laughs) you have to do it in one breath. Can you do it? Are you up to the challenge? I wasn't expecting to have to do this. Well,
2: you should have... Do you not want to do it? No, I can't do it. I've got asthma. I've got worse asthma. No, definitely not. I'll do the song. See, the problem here is... If I don't do it, uh, he won't. He won't be listening. He he, he he's not going to listen to this. I'm just he a little bit b- as if he knows
1: how to use a phone to like listen to a podcast.
2: He says he's been listening to mm, more podcasts. Definitely not. Mm, you're probably right.
1: I was going to um, do a Chaz and Dave backing, but I can't think of anything that doesn't require the words for you to understand <laughs> what it is. I'll just, uh, <laughs> I'll
2: just do this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this all in one breath. I uh, give it, it, go. it na na, 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 na. Ernie Cooper, Emery James Baker, Christoph Rappish, Zane Omar, Matt Roberts, Dave Lee, Derek Fitzer, Martin Cliff, Matt Davis, Aaron Sherman, Blake Wyland, Jake Gray, Christopher Luseth, Juan Correa, Scott Kennedy.
1: <laughs> 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 you just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Smith, Robin Morphy, Rob Crane. I just think thinking about how ridiculous it is
2: that he does this every week.
1: Oh, right. Shall I see if I can do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go okay. from the top? Uh, yeah, I'll go from the okay, top. Okay, hang on. You ready? Top. Yeah. <laughs> Ernie Cooper Henry James Baker Christopher Raptish Saint Omar Matt Roberts Dave Lee Derek Fitzer Martin Cliff Matt Davis Aaron Sherman Blake and Jake Gray Christopher Lozeth Joanne Corea, Scott Kennedy Robin Smith Rob Norvick Rob Grant Derek Rich Chris Connors Andy Joyce Carlos Matcha Steve Merkel Blair Toms Mark Cross Brad Page JD Short Andy McKenzie Laurie Anstice, Jack Godfrey Paul Corrigan Brad Quinn <laughs> Will Claire Scarbride, Phil Thompson, Moog, Gravick, Colin Anderson! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man.
3: I can't believe we found a really weird skill that Joe has. I can't believe you actually corrected yourself. Joe Branton would just... In fact, that was probably better than Joe because you actually said everyone's name properly.
1: I think I took a mini breath halfway through. I'm not going to lie. There was uh, a little... There's a little... Also, I think you said Juan rather than Juan. Yeah, that's what I meant. Juan. Right, Come, okay. come on. I, did, I went back and corrected the one that I got wrong. I'm not going to be able to do two. Okay. Anyway, um, so at the $10 tier, you get your name read out in a professional manner like... Like that. Um, if you want to join in the conversation, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at guitar nerds, on Instagram at guitar nerds, and you can watch guitar nerds videos at youtube.com forward slash guitar nerds videos. Lots of great things. Next week is the quiz. Well. It is. Everyone's here. Matt's, is Matt's here. It's, okay. It's all good. We thought he wasn't going to be. We thought, we thought it wasn't. thought we are going to have to push it back another week, but no, next week is
2: almost certainly the guitar. Maybe I won't do it. Uh, You better be That's the real quiz. (laughs) That's the real quiz. Yeah, the the quiz I'm going to do is I'm going to get Matt down here and we're going to see who can throw a shoe over Over a pub. pub. (laughs) (laughs) He did it with a kettle once. That's the real quiz.
1: Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you (laughs) next
2: week. Cheers, gang. All right. Bye Bye.